Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. All right, back here on the Investor Coaching Show, Paul Winkler, along with Ira Work. Nick, our producer in the office here is going, I had no idea what you guys were talking about in the estate planning stuff. I knew it was good stuff, but I had no idea what you were talking about. Uh oh. <laughs> Leviticus, did you know? You didn't know what we were talking about, I'm sure. Probably not. You know, what? Totally. Then why you call me out like that? Well, well, because why would you know that? I mean, it was pretty arcane stuff. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't own a home or not trying, I'm not interested well, in owning. You but know, the estate property, planning side but, of things, I mean, it's, it's fairly complicated. Well, I got okay, so, you to so explain let me explain me. this. Yeah, let, let's let's just Ira and I will we'll go oh, Ira. through. We'll go through some of this stuff. Uh -huh. So because you know when when you you work, you earn money, uh, you build wealth through typically savings. If you look at this, mm -hmm. let, let's make this really pertinent to everybody out here. If you look at the wealthy people in America, Ira, which percentage about I, I know sort of, and maybe you know the exact number, uh, about what percentage of people that are millionaires, wealthy people, maybe like multimillionaires, what percentage are millionaires because they inherited all of their money versus people that are first generation? I would say it's less than 10%. I, I was thinking, yeah, I, I, I was thinking maybe 15, 20, but maybe it's, maybe it's only 10. I, yeah. I don't know. Well, because most of the people, you know, statistically, most of the people blow through the money they inherit really fast within a couple, three years. That, that's a seriously good point. So the idea is that most people that are wealthy got there because they saved their income, number one. They built a business. And when you build a business, you know, typically you are taking huge risks you know, when you build a business. Tremendous risk that you could end up with nothing. I mean, literally, you could end up flat broke. Number one, you probably don't work 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week. You know, most people that run businesses are going to be working a whole lot more than that. Well, I'll throw out an example I think most of our listening audience would be familiar with. John DeLorean. Okay. He created the DeLorean car, which was used in the movie Back to the Future. That's, that would be a good, widely known person, yes. That car, was that company was only in business for a few years, and he just couldn't make it. No, it was, it was yeah, nobody wanted it. No. Until, until you, Back to the Future right. came out, nobody wanted that car. Right. That is so true. Yeah, so there's an example of a guy who took everything he had, knew the car industry, but, you know, small companies being risky than large companies, he went out of business. He couldn't compete with the sports cars of like you know, the Trans Ams, the Camaros, uh, mm -hmm. the Mustangs. Mm -hmm. He couldn't compete with them. So what happens is somebody starts a business. They take tremendous risk. They uh, many times, how, what is the percentage of businesses that fail? I mean, it's, it's huge. It's very, very high. So you look at those numbers of per percentage of businesses that fail and you get the idea that just because somebody's built a business that actually works doesn't mean that we ought to go and you know punish them and, and tear them up and and take all their money from them but so what they do though in general is and and that's it and i always tell people that the beauty of the stock market is that you get to be a business owner because you own 
thousands and thousands of businesses when you invest in the stock market. So if we look at the rest of the people that are wealthy and have never owned a business, it's because they lived below their means and they saved a lot of their money. And what happened is they were frugal. They didn't uh, They didn't go out and blow it on things that they didn't. I mean, I think about my wife and I, we didn't go and we, we still don't go out to eat. I mean, hardly ever. Uh, it just became a habit not to go out and and have somebody fix our meals for us. I mean, that was kind of the, the way I look at things. I never got in that habit. I never wanted to have a car that was like unbelievably nice and, and you know, none of these 300000 good grief, $300,000 car, no, no way. I uh, never saw a point in any of that. And some people would say, well, you know, you're just jealous of people. that." And no, I don't care. I don't, I don't have any desire. No, that's um, one thing I can say about you, Paul. You are not jealous of people that have two and three, $400,000 cars. No, and, and I, think, I think a lot of it comes down to what happens is in America, we have this way of being, which is we try to show how successful we are. And what we end up doing is making people jealous of us. And that's not how you get connection. I, I just tend to be very connection oriented. I, I like people and, and I'll never forget this guy that I hired one time. And I said, uh, I said, hey, you know, I want you to just coach me on some business stuff. So he goes, oh, yeah, great. So we're in like two, three sessions in, and we started talking about some these different things, ways of being. So, you know, you can be driven by security. There are six different things that you can be driven by. I can be driven by security, which is like I've got to know that – my, I'm going to have everything. I'm not going to lose anything. I'm, you know, I'm going to be okay. And, you know, we could not have this conversation, Ira, if we thought that the roof above our head was going to come crashing down. We would not be sitting here commonly just talking. You know, we'd be sitting there looking, waiting for this thing to fall down, right? So some people are incredibly security driven. Some people are driven by insecurity or kind of fly by the seat of your pants, they they need to have lots of uh, assurance, you know, just variability in their life. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to have kind of lots of um, uncertainty. I, mean, I guess we could just Spur go to the other the side. Moment. We could go to the other side. You got certainty and you got uncertainty. Right. And, you know, the reality of it is some people, if life is always certain, it gets boring. You know, so there are people that have uncertainty, and if it's always uncertain, you know, they're, they're, they're probably, you know, dealing with a lot of mental disorders because, you know, if you never know what's going to be happening, that's a really terrible place to be in life. The next thing you can be is you can be very connection-driven, super connection-driven, love people, want people around, uh, desire to have relationships, lots of them, and lots of, you know, tight bonds with people and, and be, you know, very extroverted maybe. The fourth place that you can be is you can be very driven by, uh, by being important, by being significant. So significance is what drives you. Those four things are things that people almost always meet. The fifth one, which is growth, a lot of people don't meet that, which is you know, continuously growing. And the, the sixth one is contributing beyond yourself. That's where a lot of people never get to either, you know, five and six, growth and contributing beyond yourself. So this guy's talking to me and he says, uh, he says, so what do you think you are, Paul? And I says, oh, significance. I think it's, you know, I, you know, I want to be important. And what I didn't get about what he was talking about is when I say significance, I want to be a person that helps people 
and I'm important to them because I help them and I'm there and I'm somebody that is, you know, somebody, somebody looks up to as saying, yeah, you know what? I love having Paul around because he helps me out with so much stuff and, and he's there when I need him. And, and that, that's my thing, right? That's number six. It was, but I didn't get it. I didn't get it. But what he said, he says, no, 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 no. He says, let me tell you about significance. He says, I've got a client and he's got a yacht. And he goes up and down the coast of California, beefing his horn. <laughs> and yeah, so everybody, and I thought, oh, that's, that's really, really funny. You know, so the, the idea of what drives us, and in America, we, a lot of times what we do is if we get caught in that trap of trying to get people to be envious of us, we lose connection. Mm-hmm. And a lot more of us are more driven by connection than we really give ourselves credit for. We really do want people to, to the love of people, and we do want the people in our lives and other people. But what happens when you always have things that are better than everybody else, they kind of look at you in envy, and you lose that connection. And that was a point that always really hit me. So when we talk about what you do with money that you have, you put it aside, you put it aside, you put it aside so that... When you're working, you're not spending everything you've got, but when you're retired and you don't have any income coming in, now you have money that you can live off of. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what happens is when you build up this wealth for the future, you may be doing it for other people and for, you know, the legacy that you want to leave and people that you want to help when you're no longer around. And that's part of what you're building up for the estate taxes are where the government says you've got too much. And what we're going to do is we're going to take when you die and you have this estate, which is land that you own. What's the value of the land that you own? What's the value of the business that you own? What's the value of your investment accounts? What is the value of your stuff? Everything that you have, whatever it is, we're going to take half of that. When you die, half of that goes to up to half of that goes to us. Now, there's a certain amount that you get to keep with no taxes. And that's when Ira and I were talking about 25 million. You may be able to keep 25 million and then anything above that, you're in partnership with the government. Now, here's the problem. You'll have people in that own farmland or businesses that may be worth a lot of money. And then when they pass away, that tax will affect them. And then all of a sudden the, the business gets destroyed. Because the business has to be broken up in order to sell it. You may have to sell aspects of that business in order to pay the taxes. And the problem is when you sell parts of that business, now the business doesn't work anymore because the business isn't owned by you and it's not controlled by you. And then all of a sudden people that own part of the business may not have the same vision that you did. Or if we're talking about just sheer farmland, you may have this very, very large piece of farmland that's being farmed and, and maybe soybeans or, or corn or whatever it is that you grow, and you need that amount of farmland for the farm to work, and you have to sell half the farm, and you may have to sell this in nine months because those estate taxes are due in nine months from death. And now you have to sell it at a discount because you got to get rid of it really fast and there may not be the buyer for that farmland or that business in that shorter period of time. It may take years to get a business ready for sale. 
not months. And that is the issue with the estate taxes, is that if you go and do that to somebody and they have to come up with the money fast, they may have to discount it significantly. You pay taxes on the full amount and you can ruin somebody. Mm -hmm. That happened to the Joe Robbie family that used to own the Miami Dolphins. Perfect example. So Joe Robbie's wife died suddenly. He had no estate plan for a very wealthy man, a lawyer. You would think he would have everything in place. He did not. Yes. And as a result of that, the Robbie family, when Joe died, was forced to sell the stadium Mm -hmm. down in Miami and the Miami Dolphins. And and you do that. Now you take that and you say, now what if it's only a? F-? And yeah, I say only. Some people are sitting there going, five million is a lot, ten million is a lot. It's not when you got a really good, a big, a bigger business, and you've got you know maybe a house and you got some land and and you maybe have land in different states and things like that. It's a small amount of money, so that can have a real impact on the economy. And hence, that's the reason that there are some political parties and and people in politics that go, you know what, I think we ought to do something about the estate tax. It's not really, it's a a confiscatory tax. And that's the reason that they say that. So that's what the whole idea about the estate tax is. I didn't mean to spend that much time on it, but, you know, that is what I wanted you guys to understand, that that is the, that's the big thing that's being talked about right now and the possible estate tax changes in a couple of years it's going to become a bigger topic out there so when you hear about it hopefully now you understand a little bit what, what that's all about hey this is paul winkler hope you enjoyed today's edition of the investor coaching show if you want to learn more about what we do go to our website paulwinkler.com you can watch some of the videos there and if you're not already a client you can set up a free initial consultation Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.